The reason that black people are in the streets has to do with the lives they're forced to lead in this country. And they're forced to lead these lives by the indifference and the um, apathy and a certain kind of ignorance, a very willful ignorance on the part of their co-citizens. Everybody knows, no matter what they do not know, that they wouldn't like to be a black man in this country. They know that and they shut their minds against the rest of it, all the implications of being a black father or a black woman or a black son and all of the implications involved in a human being's endeavor to take care of his wife, to take care of his children, to raise his children to be men and women in the teeth of a structure which is built to deny that I can be a human being or that my child can be. The great question in the country has been all the years that I've been living here and I was born here 43 years ago, is what does the Negro want? And this question masks a terrible knowledge. I want exactly what you want. And you know what you want. I want to be left alone. I don't want any of the things that people accuse Negroes of wanting. And I don't hate you. I simply want to be able to raise my children in peace and arrive at my own maturity in my own way, in peace. I don't want to be defined by you. I think that you and I might learn a great deal from each other. If you can overcome the curtain of my color, the curtain of my color is what you use to avoid facing the facts of our common history, the facts of American life. It is easy to call me a Negro or a nigger or a promising black man, but in fact, I'm a man like you. I want to live like you. This country is mine too. I paid as much for it as you. White means that you are European still. And black means that I'm African. But we both know, we've both been here too long. You can't go back to Ireland or Poland or England, and I can't go back to Africa. And we will live here together, or we'll die here together. And it's not I am telling you, time is telling you. You will listen or you will perish. It's the reason that Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Labernus Agnew. Thank you for uh, listening to another episode of RPTS, Regular People Talking Shit. Um, again, uh, my name's Tank Agnew. I wanted you all to uh, listen to the introduction of what James Baldwin was saying, because what he was basically referring to was actual a, ment- a type of mental toughness that uh, black people have to carry as a shield in uh in western in western civilization 
because of the uh, way that we're viewed. And what that really uh, had led me to think about was something that um, I really think has been missed kind of in the news lately. Uh, You know, we've really discussed a lot about police brutality. We've discussed COVID-19 and we've also discussed how uh, COVID-19 has affected black people at an abnormally higher rate than uh, that of non-Hispanic whites. And uh, along with that, you know, on television, we've been watching, uh, you know, these countless, countless uh, police brutalities where you have people like Richard Brooks now. Um, I mean, there are so many individuals that that now have, you know, been uh, faced with police brutality. The other young man who uh, was given some type of drug and and died in police custody when he was uh, when he was being when he was uh, when when the ambulance had arrived. Uh, I mean, there uh, and I, my apologies that his name escapes me now. I mean, but I mean, there's just countless individuals. And what that led me to think about was, you know, when you're seeing these uh, acts on television and you're seeing black people being constantly beaten and they look just like you, it made me think about what is our mind state when that happens to us? Undoubtedly, you know, it has to affect our mental health. And when you compound that with poverty uh, rates, um, uh, as well as, you know, how we are kept uh, from a lot of resources that would really help our society benefit. It really made me think about really where's our mental health in the black society. And that's something that I really think that we don't really focus on enough. So I really wanted to spend just a little bit of time kind of discussing uh, just, you know, mental health and for a lack of a better word, mental illness in the African-American community, because I really think that is something that isn't really shed light on enough. Um, now, when I looked at a lot of the stats, what I found to be interesting was in 2017, suicide was the second leading cause of death for black people between the age of 15 to 24. And I found that to be astounding because that is that is that isn't anything that we really talk about. You know, we talk about the we talk about the gun violence. Um, you know, a lot a lot that has occurred. Uh, you know, with the so-called black on black crime. That's a myth, um, and I, I really don't believe that's a such thing. Uh, you know, you you kill who you're next to. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, it's all really about proximity. 80% of white people are killed by white people. And if that was the other way around, white people would lose their damn minds and they know they would. Um, so it, it, it's, it, it, the black on black crime is just this fallacy that we're supposed to put up with that <clears throat> really doesn't serve anyone justice because it really misses the mark as far as the reason why there may be violence that's occurring in the black community but it isn't just this you know this moniker that we just put on it called black on black crime as if that you know that just uh that just describes you know what the actual issues are within the community as if black people are just predetermined to crime which isn't the case um these uh, the other two stats that I really wanted to bring forth um, are coming from 2017 as well. And uh, I found those interesting as well because it really relates back to the first stat about 15 to 24 year olds and how that's the second leading cause of death for them. When you think about 15 to 24 year olds, you know, what is it at that time that they're faced with? At that point, 
you know, they're really coming into being and, you know, they're learning who they are. Um, they're learning what their likes are. They're learning what their dislikes are. They're, you know, they're gaining a lot of time friends who they're going to have throughout the entirety of their life at that time. Uh, I mean, uh, because when, you know, when you're 15, you're meeting high school friends and a lot of times, uh, you, you know, those friends, you know, they, they really will remain your friends for the entirety of your life. Uh, you're, um, you, you know, you are, uh, really, really, uh, um, influenced a lot uh, at that age from 15 by you think of the music that you listened to when you were 15 a lot of the times it still sticks with you for the you know the for when you're an adult um you'll go back to that music a lot of times so it's very interesting because when you when you're asking yourself okay then what is it that young african americans are faced with the reason why they are uh, you know, killing themselves uh, at, a, at a rate where, you know, that's the second highest, um, that's the second highest uh, cause of death for them. So when we also looked at, the, when I also looked at that, black men had a suicide rate four times of black women as of 2017. Um, and that's very interesting because what this does is it's not that... Uh, this is any type of strike on the black woman, definitely not. But what it speaks to actually is what it's what's happening to the black family. When the fact that the black man is being removed from the family is really, really taking an effect on the black family as a whole, because not having that 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 male figure uh, in the household to be a partner with the woman really, really has. A, uh, an adverse effect on youth growing up and that is really noticed um, in uh, a lot of these stats because in also in 2017 what it also stated was that black girls from grade 9 through 12 so basically high schoolers were 70% more likely to attempt suicide than females who were non-Hispanic of the same age group so uh, we're going right back to that same that, that that same uh stat where between 15 and 24 you have uh african americans that that's the second leading cause of death you have african american men who are, are killing themselves four times at the rate of, of of black women which is destroying the black household but you cannot forget fem the female perspective in this which is uh something that is very very important because um, these young black girls that are killing themselves at the rate of 70% uh, higher than other age groups. Think about the ones who aren't killing themselves, who are able to make it through a lot of the muck and a lot of the adversity. They are, are then faced a lot of times with having to raise young black men by themselves because that stat states that men are killing themselves four times the rate of black women. So while those women are dealing with those mental illness and the man has killed himself, they still have to now be the head of the household and raise this child. So it's almost like a cycle that continues over and over and over and over. And that's something that I really wanted to really uh, kind of 
um, <clears throat> uh, set set the scene because that's something that I really think that we need to focus on in our community because black lives matter definitely, but also black mental health matters as well. And we need to make sure that we're focusing on uh, that because that is something that we cannot take lightly. We cannot allow that to fall by the wayside. We can't allow that to uh, be something that we decide that is going to be something that we uh, focus on at a later time. That has to be at the forefront. And another stat um, that um, I wanted to focus on was that the Surgeon General found that from 1980 to 1995, suicide among African Americans increased 233%, which was compared to 120% for non-Hispanic whites. And that's very important um, about what the what that Surgeon General stat stated, because I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Um, because I really, really want to uh, spend just a little bit of time on why I think that's very important. Now, the first thing that I really wanted to focus on in regard to um, the uh, mental illness in our community is the stigma behind mental illness. That is the first thing that we have to tackle in the African-American community if we are going to take mental health and mental illness seriously. We have to remove the stigma that's behind mental illness. And the reason why I state that is because the reason why I played that clip in the beginning where James Baldwin was basically speaking truth to power and just speaking to white people and making them aware that we want exactly what you want. And when I was speaking of that shield that we have to carry, it really focuses on the stigma that black people have about mental mental health and mental illness. It's something that we don't allow ourselves to focus on because it's almost like a form of weakness. And we, we can't allow ourselves to be seen weak because of the role that we have been forced to play in society. It's been the downtrodden. It's been that of the one who have to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, create your own, uh, deal with the adversity, uh, pick yourself up after the racism that occurs against you daily, the institutionalized racism that uh, that you're faced with daily. Um, these are some of the things that he was discussing in that uh, in that discussion. Um, but what I think that was failing to be missed was what it actually does to our psyche as African-Americans. You know, our story is one that is that of perseverance and resilience, you know, um, Think about, you know, from when we were brought here, you know, from six to from the year 1619, we weren't originally brought as what we are now. We were brought originally as indentured servants as well, because you had white people who were already here who were indentured servants who would work for some time. And then they would then, uh, you know, have enough money saved up to when then they could start their own farm. And then you could create that cycle where basically you're building wealth. And, you know, African-Americans, there were some who were able to do that because you'll find stories of African-Americans who did live in the South, who did have land, who were wealthy black. So um, there were some who were able to make that occur. Not many, but there were some. And that kind of spurned from uh, when they were originally here in 1619. It was actually the Bible 
that actually changed the way black people are thought of in America. And that's why um, the, the three fifths of a person uh, be, uh, be, became so prevalent, because what white people recognized was that, <clears throat> OK, we can't keep them down because of their skin color and we can't uh enslave them because of because of their skin color primarily so what else can we do then what they decided was okay we're going to now make it a, a biblical we're going to take a biblical approach you're three-fifths of a person you're a slave you're not an actual full person and that is what they then use as justification to keep us enslaved and that is and that starts the entire process uh, of our history here in America and beginning to you know just destroy our psyche because our our story does not begin at slavery that's one major issue that we are constantly focused with. We always hear about our story in America where it begins at slavery. And that's not where our story begins. So that's one major, major hit on our mental health already because we are supposed to be thought of as slaves originally. And that's not the case. We are originally kings and queens and we have our own country. Now, the fact that we have been removed from that country and we've been removed from our culture, totally removed from what our ancestors from who our ancestors were is an entirely different uh, is a, an entirely different discussion, but it, it doesn't negate the fact that it still affects our mental health the same. And then once, you know, we're consider we're here and we're three fifths of a person and the, and the Bible is the norm that has been used to keep us enslaved. And then also, uh, African Americans were also helped to use to keep us enslaved and to also keep us down as well. It was also our own that was used to do it as well, because the first middle, the first black middle class in uh in the united states were uh the the black preachers because with you having so many african americans in society and they're continually to they're, they're they're continuously you know breeding even in even being enslaved um you know you're continuously breeding you're bringing more african americans to, in, into the population doing this so you need to be able to keep them in check, keep them in line. So that's where they brought in black preachers and they would, you know, uh, uh, basically allow them a certain type of wealth and then preach to black people and give them the Bible to ensure that, you know, they, they stayed in line, they kept them in check so that, you know, that, that it was our own that, that basically, uh, helped keep, to keep us enslaved at, at a certain point. Um, and, and, uh, one famous line where, where people will talk about, um, you know, we were supposed to be promised 40 acres and a mule. It wasn't actually the, the government that promised that the government had hired two famous black preachers and those preachers were the ones who actually went around in the uh, in light of the government on behalf of the government state and that was what they had stated that um the government will, will have a chicken that, that you're going to have a chicken in every pot and um uh you're going to have 40 acres in the mule that 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 it wasn't it, it wasn't uh the government that stated that specifically it was the preachers that they had hired that then stated that so the, that that's something that you know we we definitely have to make sure that we continue to keep in mind of uh, uh also with uh you know once 
um, slavery was over and then, you know, you had reconstruction that came into place. Our psyche was then destroyed again. I discussed on the previous episodes regarding um, uh, regarding the Freedmen's Bank and how that lasted for about a decade. And then that was destroyed and nothing else was done to help black empowerment. I also discussed, uh, you know, Jim Crow and black and black codes in the previous episode. These are all things that help to keep ourselves down and to keep our psyche destroyed and it's just culminated over the years over the decades over the centuries where our psyche has just continuously been beat up and beat up and beat up even with the civil rights movement uh i mean as, as you watch this on television where you saw dogs uh, uh biting african-americans and you saw hoses being put on people were to the point where you know it, it pierced their skin and made and made them bleed um, you know, uh, even to today with the marches uh, and what you're seeing with police brutality. Th- I mean, this is what we face in the United States. Um, and uh, for black people um, to have that, the stigma that, you know, oh, I'm you know, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not hurt. You know, I'm, I'm strong enough to overcome this is something that we really have to put aside because w- we are strong. But I don't know if we can overcome this without recognizing how this is being very detrimental to our mental health within our community and then remaining cognizant of it and then acting on it. We need to do that because one fifth of adults uh, from uh, that I saw in a a particular poll experience mental illness um and this was described by the national alliance on mental illness uh so that's basically 20 percent of adults will face uh some type of mental illness however blacks are 20 percent more likely to report serious illness uh serious health issues i'm sorry but they're more uh, but they're less likely to seek help so you know we're, we're more likely to have the you know serious mental health issues 20 percent more likely but less likely to seek help and that's because of the stigma that we have on it you know we have to get over the bravado we have to get over the machismo uh if we are going to uh remain effective and if we are going to continue with this this black renaissance that i'm witnessing in my lifetime that i'm really thankful to see we have to make sure that we are including mental health, m- mental health within that equation. Now, going back to that stat that I was referring to regarding the uh, Surgeon General and and the fact that he found that between or the fact that they found between 1980 and 1995 that there was a 233 percent increase for um, for suicide among African Americans coincides with nothing else than the Reagan era. And the Reagan era is a period that was led by Ronald Reagan, who was a president. Uh, Now, it's mostly in the 80s and it's defined by historians and uh, political observers as a period that really emphasized conservatism. So, you know, as again, as I said in this podcast, I'm really just going to keep it honest. I'm going to keep it blunt. Basically, they were wanting to stop. Uh, African-Americans, they they really wanted to scale back a lot of, um, you know, progress within the African-American community because they really, really were targeting the African-American community during that area, during that era, I'm sorry, because during that era, some of the things that happened was privatized prisons. um, And I discussed that in a previous podcast, uh, so I won't really spend too much time on that. 
another the thing that we saw during that time was increased policing. Uh, and with that increased policing, you know, more people were going to jails. And you also had the economic tax recovery of 1981. Now, what that did was it was focused on decreasing domestic spending and it was focusing more on entrepreneurship. So basically what it did was it took all of the money out of the programs that helped black empowerment, that helped black people progress, that were there to build communities, that were there to help families uh, build uh, their, their homes. All of these type of programs were then removed by the Reagan era. And it's very similar to what, uh, to Ron, by Ronald Reagan, it's very similar to what you're seeing Donald Trump doing, uh, you know, just with removing programs, wanting to take Obamacare away. I mean, and especially during COVID. I mean, it, I mean, it makes absolutely no sense that he wants to take away, um, you know, Obamacare for people who need it, especially during this pandemic. And that's very similar to what we saw in the Reagan era, because who is that going to undoubtedly uh, uh, unproportionately affect the most is African-Americans because they know that the, a lot of them need that health care to be able to and poor whites as well. You can't I can't leave them out of the equation, but it definitely affects the black community to the most. Um, and <clears throat> another thing that the economic tax recovery focused on was it decreased spending on anti-poverty programs. So, I mean, poor people were remaining poor after that. So then that's when you saw the spike uh, where black people were committing suicide. I mean, it really goes hand in hand. I mean, then that brings us to today. 13.4% of the population identifies as black or African-American and 16% of them have reported having had a mental illness within the past 12 months. So if 13.4% of the population identifies as African-American and 16% of them have reported have having a mental illness within the past 12 months, that equals to over 7 million people. Do you realize that's more people that populate the cities of Chicago, Houston, and Philadelphia combined? That, that, that's really what we're faced with. Um, so, I mean, that's something that we, we cannot overlook. We definitely have to make sure that we're taking this serious and that we're seeking help whenever we feel, um, you know, that that strain or we're feeling that that stress. We really definitely need to seek help because that's the only way that we are going to really continue to overcome these type of obstacles is really seeking help. And I mean, you know, we've you know, I've talked a little bit about the stigma, you know, and I also talked about the Reagan era, which is really where we saw a lot of this beginning to increase but we also have to focus on ourselves as, as well and what is our issues ourselves that we can control because you know the reagan era was here you know we can't really do anything about that you know we have that stigma that we that we definitely have to get over but what is it that we can deal with within our own community that are our own issues now 13.4 percent identify as black within the united states now, another 2.7% identify as multiracial. Now, this is very, very important because a lot of times what you'll see is you'll see where you have mixed kids who feel like they don't fit in. Um, they don't fit in with white people. They don't fit in with black people. Um, and, you know, they, they take that home. So they then feel as if 
no one you know they, they don't fit in with anybody no there there isn't any place for them and a lot of them end up committing suicide and you know that definitely does affect the black community as well because a lot of times these children that are killing themselves are in the black community and even if they're not that definitely needs to be focused on because no child should feel left out no child should feel like they don't belong every child should feel welcomed and feel like they're able to join whatever um you know after school program or just feel welcomed and not alienated by any type of person in society or in, or in school or anywhere they they should be able to you know enjoy the basically uh the, the life as a child and and the fact that that's something that is left and kind of under under the weeds. It's something that we need to really bring into the forefront uh, because, you know, as I stated in a previous episode where you had the, um, the, the man who was upset in New Orleans that was uh, that, that didn't want to lose his seat um, because he didn't identify as black but was still kicked off and, and lost that case, I, you know... Uh, uh, which was uh, which turned out to be Plessy versus uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, you know, separate but equal. I um, was also watching um, a television show by the name of Treme, and what it did was uh, what the show is about. It's about you know the aftermath of Katrina in New Orleans, and there's a part in there where it talks about you know the Creole people and how they look down on other African Americans because of their skin color and how they're more light skinned, and um, you know the other people are darker, so that you know they really don't um, like to uh, you know join with them. You know, that's something that is really deep, deep down within our psyche that we have to focus on and that we really need to bring to the forefront. I mean, and this goes back to even the NAACP, because a lot of times what you'll see with NAACP, even in, in the beginning, was more lighter skinned men uh, that uh, were, were chosen. I mean, even Booker T. Washington was more fair skinned. And, uh, you know, this is what they were cho- what they were choosing to put in the forefront. So when you have African-Americans who have maybe a more coarse hair, darker skin, and then they see that's what's put out there, they still almost feel alienated. And this can even be described with um, the with, um, you know, just a lot of the fighting that was had, you know, within uh, the black community at that time. Booker T. Washington, uh, you know, was against, oh gosh, I forget his name, the guy who wanted to send us back to Africa, uh, you know, with the Black Star Line. I don't know why his name is escaping me right now. Um, But, you know, Booker T. Washington called him, you know, black, called him ugly, um, you know, uh, you know, really talked about his appearance. So, you know, that's something that we still do within our own community. And that's something that we definitely need to change. Um, And, that also affects our sense of community as well, because, we, you know, we've been spread out and we really don't have a sense of culture that we allow to culminate and resonate really outside of the South. And that really does affect us um, because another 2017 stat that I found was 24. Uh, I'm sorry, 55 uh, percent of blacks live in the South, 18 percent live in the Midwest and 17% in the Northeast, and then there's another 10% that live in the West. Now, also with that, 
uh, as of 2017, only 24% of blacks have bachelor degrees or higher. Now, when you have no sense of community and then the education level for us isn't as high, we find ourselves behind the eight ball a lot of times. We find ourselves, you know, um, not being able to feel like we can keep up in society and we feel left out a lot of times. Um, So that's where, you know, you'll feel left out. And then a lot of times that's where you'll you'll get that stat where black men are killing themselves at four times the rate. It's because they feel like they're inferior in society and they're not able to keep up. I mean, that's one huge, one huge facet that's in one of my favorite books, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, where you have a 500 page, 500 page plus book and you have an unnamed narrator who narrates the book himself. He feels he's so insignificant to society. He feels nobody cares about my name. I'm not even going to worry you about that. I'm just going to tell you my story and then I'm going to let you get back on with your day. And that's basically what, you know, leads to mental health, mental illness. That's something that is prevalent within our society. Um, Another thing um, that is prevalent in our society is along with that stat where African-American men are killing themselves at four times the rate of African-American women. Women, black women are the head of household in about 30 percent of the of the black or African-American community. And that's compared to only nine percent of whites. And that's very, very important because one thing that I talk about is the Daniel Patrick Moynihan report of 1964. And it's called uh, the case for the action for the Negro family. And one thing that he discussed in the Moynihan report was, yes, white people have uh, basically uh, interfered in black people's lives to the point where we have uh, kept you guys from progressing and we have prevented your community from progressing. However, even if we did remove remove ourselves from your community, you would still... Uh, destroy yourselves and one of the main reasons that he gave for for the destruction of the black family was that the black woman emasculates the black man and before that report came out there were a lot of talks on race where you would see you know um, Malcolm X on television a lot of different black leaders on television but that really really affected a lot of racial talks and then after that you really stopped seeing a lot of race Uh, a a lot of racial talk on television because that really, really fired up a lot of bases. It really, really upset a lot of different people and it really kind of quelled race talk, which then has kind of uh, hindered us from being able to progress in society. Um, And I don't agree that, you know, it's the black woman that, uh, that emasculates the black man. I feel that the institutionalized racism emasculates the black man and then the black woman isn't necessarily able to see the man as he's supposed to be in many instances for example a lot of one time i remember i was watching a movie with my mom a while back called cornbread earl and me and um in the beginning of the movie they were they were uh in the house and a social worker was coming over and when the social worker was coming over, they were putting up everything and they um, were hiding all the valuables. And um, and basically what they were saying was that no man 
uh, I'm sorry, was that they can't have any valuables. And if they did have anything that was of any type of worth, that they would lose, you know, their, their, their welfare, their assistance. And another important fact was that um, no man could be present if you wanted to receive help. So the fact that you couldn't have anything of value, there couldn't be a man present, that right there destroyed the black family. So then what it then did was it made the government your man. So then you're seeing why black men are killing themselves at these rates, because it's almost as if we're not needed here, you know, and that's something that we definitely need to take into account because we definitely are needed here. Uh, You know, we are ostracized, we're demonized, but we are definitely needed here. And see, this goes back to our perseverance and our resilience because we know we're demonized. We know we're ostracized, but we still move on. We still move on. We still push on. But then there are some of us that it just affects our mental health so much to the point where, you know, we are, um, you know, um, just 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 falling short of glory basically and we're not able to overcome those obstacles that are really put into place i mean you know there's a lot of historical adversity that we you know that we have faced over the years i mean you know as i was stating from slavery to to sharecropping to then jim crow and black codes Uh, i mean then we have exclusion we've been excluded from health care we've been excluded from education We've been excluded from a lot of economic resources that have translated to us being impoverished, homeless, incarcerated. Then, you know, then if not, if we're not incarcerated, we're sitting around unemployed. We have substance abuse problems, which then leads to higher risk for, you know, mental for poor mental health. So, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, is just spiraling and just continuing to affect our community uh, at, at absorbent rates. And we definitely need to make sure that we are um, beginning to address that. Now, um, you know, I, I really won't go too much further into this um, because, you know, I, I definitely just wanted to really kind of just touch on that. But some of the signs um, that, that you want to really kind of watch out for when, you know, you're not sure if you're dealing with uh, mental illness or if you're showing, showing signs of mental illness some signs of mental illness can be, you know, excessive worrying or fear, excessive sadness or low self-esteem, a problem concentrating, extreme mood changes. I mean, and that could be extreme highs, extreme lows. It could be prolonged anger, irritability. So, I mean, it could be both. I mean, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're always angry at all the time. I mean, you could be extremely happy uh, at one time and you don't have any idea why. You could be extremely sad and, and you don't know why. So, you know, th- there's a scale where, you know, it, it's not just being sad. So you have to make sure that you're taking a look uh, out for that. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you're joking around and you're happy and you're having a good time that, oh, maybe this is depression. I'm not saying that, but you definitely want to take a look and see like, you know, Am I am I going am I experiencing some type of high or low and there really isn't any type of rational thought or really reason for this? Really definitely make sure that you're taking care of yourself and you're really looking into that. Um, you know, some other signs are really uh, that, that are that are really prominent, or, you know, avoiding people, especially your friends, um, you know, a difficulty relating to people, 
you might have a change in your sleep habits or your eating habits where you might be sleeping too much or not sleeping enough or eating too much where you're gaining weight or not eating enough where you're losing weight. I mean, that's something that has affected me as well, where, you know, I lost 70 pounds before and um, I can't say that it was just because I was eating right. I mean, a lot of it came from stress and, you know, work and, you know, just making sure that everything is organized and lined up and that I'm, you know, doing what I need to do. So I really wanted to bring this to people because this is something that definitely does affect me as well. So I really wanted to make sure that I'm bringing this to people as well, because I really want to make sure that, you know, we're getting the help that we need. Um, some other signs could be, you know, you're changing your sex drive. You could have hallucinations. It could be substance abuse. You can also have suicidal thoughts and physical ailments. So, I mean, your mental health can affect you physically. I mean, to where you're having aches and pains where you're not sure why. So, I mean, really make sure that you're looking into, you know, a lot of these signs. Make sure that you're getting the proper help that you need. And I mean, and if ever it gets to the point where, you know, suicide is something that you're thinking about. I mean, God forbid uh, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is one 800 273-8255 or you can just call 911 but again that number is 1-800-273-8255 and again if you can't remember that just call 911 because I mean there is no one size fits all treatment so you know we have to make sure that you know we're continuing to say black lives matter we're continuing to be out there in the streets we're continuing to fight for our rights we're continuing to fight for our freedom and to be and continuing to get free but in the midst of getting free make sure that your mind remained free or get your mind free if it isn't free because it doesn't you know what 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 does it what what does it gain a man what what does it gain anyone to gain the world but lose their soul I mean, you don't you don't gain anything. You really lose. So we definitely have to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and seeking any help that, you know, that we need to make sure that we are living healthy and vivacious lives. So, you know, that was the episode this week. I really just wanted to focus in on mental health a little bit uh, because I really don't think that's something that we focus in enough on in the black community. And um, I really just thank you all for listening again to another episode um, from RPTS, Regular People Talking Shit. Um, I I still want to get, you know, people on the platform and and just really have discussions with people. But I'm going to continue to bring this content to you um, because this is something that really does matter to me. And I really I really care about you know, our community and ensuring that we are continuing to progress and that we are not um, uh, failing and that we, and that we don't fail to focus on the 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 the, the, the important things at hand and mental illness is something that is very, very important. So, again, thank you all. I appreciate your time and you have a great day.